Okay, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So today we're talking about chapter 22, the last chapter in the book of uh, Revelation. Can someone read to us? Yeah, go ahead. Let's go back and try to cover the last details of chapter 22. And he showed me a pure... First, remember who was showing him, who was showing St. John from, you know, last previous chapter? One of the angels that were, that poured one of the vials over the earth. Uh, so he's still continuing to show him, you know, heavenly Jerusalem. And as we said, from last time, all these descriptions are symbolic because we said the length times the width times the height of the city each dimension is 1500 miles so how can be a city 1500 miles high 1500 miles long is probably from here to Florida right? how can be one city be that long oh yeah going to be a lot of people right? uncounted but still how, how, how are you going to stack them up top of each other 1500 miles 
up. So it's very symbolic. So we continue the, the description of the the symbolic Jerusalem. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. What is the water of life? The Holy Spirit. And today we celebrate the church receiving the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit descending on the disciples, and establishing and founding the church. Okay. So that tells us in the, in heaven, the Holy Spirit is going to be constantly there, fulfilling us, letting us learn more. Because how do you think we're going to know more and more about Christ? Who's going to be responsible to let us grow from within until eternity? We're going to be growing every day in God's knowledge, every single day until this, you know, eternity. So who's going to make us grow this growth? if it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Uh, clear as cl- crystal, because now the teaching of the Holy Spirit is not going to be uh, changed, it's not going to be altered, people are not going to you know, misinterpret the teaching of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be clear and known to everyone, and we're all going to be drinking directly from the, the source of this knowledge and the source of life, the Holy Spirit. Proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb. Again, this is another indication of who Christ is. He is God and He is the Lamb. So God and the Lamb, that's His, you know, divine nature and human nature uh, at the same time. And this, again, when the fathers look at this proceeding from the, of the th- out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, and this water throwing, you know, flowing out of the throne of God, if you stop and think about that, when did we see another uh, event that also water came, you know, multiple events that came, water came, you know, coming out of something? It's a quiz. We'll start from Genesis. Uh, skip Genesis. Exodus. The rock. The rock. And, uh, and St. Paul tells us, and, and the rock was... Christ, also on the cross, what do we see on the cross when Christ died and they pierced his side? Water and blood coming out. Right? So that's, again, the fathers look at that and see you know, water of life proceeding out of the throne of God. They look at that and they say, when they look at Christ and his pierced and water flowing out of his side. Do the fathers... Uh, say that when the water came out from Christ's side, resembles the Holy Spirit, or not? Uh, again, it resembles baptism because, again, what you know, blood and water; these were are the two elements that water for baptism and water and blood to give us the new life. These are the sources of new life, right? So we receive new life in two ways: in baptism and in communion, constant communion. In the midst of the street and of the river, from here and from there was the tree of life. Again, some people like to think of this as actually physical. But if you think about it, in the midst of the street. First, what does the street mean? It's like the market. The street is where, you know, like the market where people, you know, deal with each other. So in the middle of his people, in the middle where people dealing with each other is... Christ himself, because the tree of life is Christ. 
it's in the middle of the street and of the river from here and there so how can it be in the middle of the street and in the river from here and from there so it's not really a physical tree again this is a spiritual description of God's presence among his people and he's surrounding them if we try to take that as a physical tree it's not going to make sense You had a question or comment or okay. Which bore twelve fruits, each yielding its fruit according to one month. Wait a minute. Were there days in heaven? Were there you know twenty four hour days or were there days? Why not? Exactly. So they have one sun continuous, they don't have any night. So how can you end that day? The day is going to start, but there's no end for it because there's no night to it. So if there's no night and there's no end for the first day, how can it be 12 months? Again, that's a symbol of, you know, a period of time, the long period of time, which is the year, which is the whole eternity in this case. All right, so let's let's try to understand this. bore 12 fruits, each yielding its fruit according to one month. Now, number 12, we said, represents what? 4 times 3, 4 represents corner of earth, all people on the earth, and 3 represents the Trinity, those people who believe in the Trinity, which is God's people, basically. So, and the fruits, and bore 12 fruits, each yielding its fruit to one month. So the, these fruits is basically the you know the knowledge and the union was you know was Christ and this knowledge and union was Christ yield its fruits we will you know we will be filled when you eat, when when a tree has a fruit and you eat these fruits what happens to you you're satisfied and you you know you're filled right the Adam and Eve were living out of fruits and were eating the the fruits of uh, the Garden of Eden. An interesting, interesting observation is that before the fall, God told Adam and Eve to eat what? Of the fruit of the garden of Eden, right? And after the fall, he let them eat. Not, no, not after the fall. That's Noah, after Noah, after the flood. But after the fall, he let them eat also of the grass and, you know, uh, not just the fruits, but also of the you know the grass and so on. So our level has dropped. Not you know after the fruit. What is that symbolic? What does it mean? It's the decrease of our level, right? The, you know when you eat the fruit, the fruit is hanging out on the tree. The, the you know the grass, grass and stuff like that is like you know for the animals and that's a lower level for for us. So that's. Yeah, that's an interesting observation that people had about the book of Revelation. So here, again, we're going to eat fruits, and fruits are fulfilling. And basically, the idea is that we're always going to be filled by our union with Christ and our knowledge of Christ, who's surrounding us and being with us all the time. So these are the fruits. And 12 fruits, because again, God's knowledge is not just, we're not going to know only one aspect of God. We're going to know different aspects of God. Sorry. 
will know, will know different aspects of God throughout uh, eternity. Not just one, but different aspects. For example, today when we're uh, living here, I can have something happens in my life, I would know, you know something about God's wisdom and planning and so on. Some other time I will learn about some God's love and how He's compassionate and how He loves us. You know, some other time I will learn about, you know, another aspect, you know, of God's wisdom and so on. In heaven, it's the same thing. For us to really understand God and to know God, don't forget what did Christ say about uh, you know paradise. And this is eternal life that they will know you, Father, and you only. Son, right? So, our job in eternal life is to know God. Do you think that from day one we're going to know everything about God? It's going to be like, you know, going to be like a balloon. You fill it a little bit, and then there's going to be enough until, you know, sort of gets used to this new size, and now it's ready to stretch more. Get stretched, and now it's ready to stretch more. Get stretched, and now get ready to stretch more. So in heaven, those 12 fruits, each one according to one month, that's going to be the same thing that you and I are going to, God's willing, will go through, which is getting to know a little bit and a little bit about God in different aspects of God. Some, you know, again, some of the fathers like to think that the heavenly, the angels and so on, did not understand what God love is until they saw Him on the cross. They learned a completely different meaning of God's love when, when they saw God who created everyone now comes not just becomes a man and get born in a manger no gets humiliated you know insulted spat at all this and gets crucified and hang on a cross to them this is completely different dimension of God's love that they never were aware of and they never understood so it's going to be the same thing for you and I is that every day in heaven you're going to learn something new about God that's why it's 12 different fruits and each one in a different month. So, as if year after year, we keep eating from these fruits and we get to learn more and more and we get more and more into depth of God. It happens to us here on earth and it's going to happen in heaven. Here on earth, don't you ever think that you know everything about one aspect of God and everything about the Bible. Never happens. Even if you read the same book, the same chapter, the same verse every day, you learn something new about that verse in particular every day. Because again, that's God will give you that growth and that not, you know, full, fullness every day in new fruit and every day something new. And uh, the leaves of the tree were the, for the healing of the nations. So, after, you know, the sin, now we're going to be healed by uh, the fruits of the tree. So no more sickness, no more spiritual sickness as well. And uh, the fruits of the, you know, the leaves of the tree is going to heal us. Not just the fruits, but also the leaves as well. And every curse will no longer be. So the reverse of what happened to Adam and Eve now this is, you know, the last book in the Bible, last chapter in the Bible, reversing what happened in the beginning of the Bible and, in the, you know, the first few chapters of the Bible. The curse that happened to Adam and Eve and to all humanity, now it's being reversed 
and again, who carried the cur- you know the curse on our behalf? Christ. This who, this who is without sin became the curse for us. Right? He carried this for us, so he can we can all get be able to go to heaven, and again, the curse will no longer be. But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. Again, this is not an earthly place. This is a heavenly place where God's throne is going to be. And God does not dwell on earth. That's what the Bible teaches us from the Old Testament. God does not dwell on earth. What is the earth for Him to dwell in? And His servants will serve Him. So how are we going to serve God in the, in heaven? Are we still going to go with the God and, you know, clean the church and, and do all these... Uh, these jobs, how are we going to serve God in heaven? Praise Him joyfully all the time. So, even when we start serving God from now, here on earth, we practice our life for heaven. So, if you haven't started serving yet, any kind of service, I mean, you know, the service of the word and speaking, this is the, the least rewarded one, but any kind of service, Helping other, you know, taking care of, you know, the church, taking care of somebody else, even driving people to church, anything, any kind of service you can think of to help other people, to help, you know, serve God in other people, you're preparing yourself for, for heaven. This is something that, you know, we need to keep, to be aware of, that even in heaven we're going to be serving, so get used to the service from now, so when you go to heaven you'll be one of them and they will see his face and his name will be in their foreheads now remember the antichrist he had his name on the, on the forehead of his people and he said these are the thoughts of the people uh, tied to the antichrist now in heaven it's the opposite our thoughts and our you know, mind and our feelings are all going to be have God in them Remember what St. Paul said, capturing every thought to the obedience of Christ. From here we're supposed to capture every thought we have to the obedience of Christ. So we practice that. So when we go to heaven, we already, God's, you know, names and stamp is on our foreheads. We don't have anything new added to us. That, you know, stamp should happen to us here from earth. And that's why in baptism, they... One of the crosses is on the forehead to sanctify the thoughts. Okay. And there will be no night there. Again, so that goes back to what we said in the first, in the second the verse. There's no night, so there's no day. So, how can you count a week? How you can count a month? Or how can you count a year? A, week, a year. There will be only one day. And they need no lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Again, I want to go back to verse 4. And they will see his face, and his name will be in the forest. And they will see his face. If you remember what Moses asked God for, first, when Moses went up in the, in, on the mountain, uh, as we're going to see in the book of Exodus, hopefully starting next week to receive the Ten Commandments and he spent 40 days up on the mountain 
when he came down, how did he look like? Right. Right. And even he had to put a veil on his face so people don't see him. If Moses spent 40 days in God's presence and he was shining, when we spend eternity in God's presence, how are we going to look like? That's why St. Paul says there is a sun, the, the glory of the sun is different than the glory of the moon, and the glory of you know the glory of the star is different than the glory of a star. Right? So what prevents us today from being that shiny is the sin that's inside us and our physical body. But you can go to the monasteries, not even to monasteries, you can go and see some of the fathers in their simple life, their face shining. Not necessarily, you know, with light and so on, but you you see them, you, you know, you be in their presence and their nice, smiley, comfortable face will just make you feel different and make you feel comfortable in their presence. So these, you know, again, imagine that we are seeing his face, face to face forever. That's the personal knowledge, right? When you talk to a person in a face-to-face, that you know, that's closeness. Instead of you know, writing a letter or sending an email to a person or SMS or whatever. No, now it's face-to-face. So there's more interaction, more knowledge. You know, you can get to look at the features. You can look at you know, God's face and God's love gets impressed on you, and you become His image. And that can happen to you and I from now in prayer. In prayer, we get to be in God's presence and His face gets to be imprinted on us. So we become His image. And that's our job here on earth. So we, so far we discovered two, ne- two things for us here on earth, right? His image be imprinted on us and His uh, name on our foreheads. And they will reign forever and ever. Remember what we said at the end of last chapter? Reigning, uh, to be to reign forever and ever? What does that work, you know, go with? Which verse that goes with? From chapter 1 of the book of Revelation. And he made us priests and kings. So being a king, you're going to reign. You're going to first here on earth, we're going to reign on our bodies, our selves, our desires, our thoughts, to capture them so God's, you know, name is on our foreheads and in heaven we're going to reign. What are we going to reign on? Are we going to have, you know, servants to just, you know, we'll be bosses and we'll be, you know, kings and so on? We're going to, God is going to make us sit next to him on his, you know, on his throne, right? Wasn't that his His promise in chapter 2? Chapter 3? He's going to make us, you know, sit next to him. It's going to be a big seat, don't worry. It's going to fit all of us. <laughs> and he said to me, these sayings are faithful and true. They're going to happen. It's, you know, uh, 
and the Lord God of the Holy Prophet sent this angel to show his servants things which must shortly be done. Shortly be done. It's been 2,000 years. It hasn't happened yet. But a day for God is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. If we go back to 2 Peter chapter 3 verse I think 8 I'm sure yeah, 2 Peter 3.8 St. Peter reminds us is, But behold, let not this one thing be hidden from you That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years And a thousand years as one day So, shortly right? Maybe 2,000, maybe 6,000, maybe 10,000 Maybe 2,500, we don't know And again, you and I should worry about a different timetable than this. Again, we said maybe we're in the last church, Laodokia, maybe. But you and I have a different timetable. Is Our life can end in any second. And that's what we need to be prepared for. Because again, the, the Lord may come shortly to you and I now. Right? And these things are faithful and true. They're going to happen. The same way the prophets, prophets in the old, and that's why he referred here, and the Lord God of the holy prophets. Again, there were prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, I forgot, I think Isaiah, in one of, the, one of the incidents, and I think in Isaiah's lifetime, uh, there was a false prophet, and Isaiah was warning the people, look, God is going to, lead the city into captivity unless you repent God is going to lead the city into captivity surrender because the city is going to be in captivity surrender and then came a false prophet and told him you know no 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 God you know appeared to me and told me everything is going to be fine we're going to win and you know said that so Isaiah told him look if I'm a if I'm a God you know man of God if I'm a true prophet you know you will die and before the month ended I think he died then you know that this prophet is truly a man of God. Whatever he says is going to happen. And Elijah said, no rain for three years. Who said, by the way, Elijah say no rain for three years, or God said no rain for three years? God. In the Old Testament, you find it God. And in the New Testament, you find it that a Elijah. So which one? With God people, there is no difference. Because they speak according to God's will. So whatever God says, they say. Whatever they say, it is according to God's will. And God will, will do what they, you know, what they want. But Because what they want is God's will anyway. So but we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that when we go to the Old Testament. Okay, so these, the holy prophets, that God spoke through them, and they, whatever they said came true, whether it's in events that happened in the Old Testament, whether it's in events about the incarnation of the Lord and His crucifixion and His life and so on, whether events are going to happen now, He is the God of the prophets. And He is the same God who gave this prophecy. Everything in this prophecy is going to happen. Whether we understand it or not, it's a different story, but everything in this prophecy will happen. And that's why He's saying, and the Lord God of the Holy Prophets, you know, sent His angel to show his servants the things which must shortly be done. And here the angel can be actually the angel that is speaking to St. John right now, 
or it can be St. John himself as considered to be an angel, a messenger of, from God to us. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Okay. The key word here is not to understand. The key word is to keep the prophecies of these books, of this book, as is. We don't change it. We don't try to translate this prophecy into our modern day you know, understanding. And when we talk, for example, about the locust that has the hair of women and you know gold plates and all that, we translate that into uh, war pla- you know war machines. And you know we look at uh, the movie, one of those modern movies, Matrix or whatever, and you know put in what we see in that movie as if this is what's going to happen in the, in the you know in the new you know from these locusts and so on. No. Keep the words of the prophecy as is. Don't change it. Okay. And I, John, so here he stresses about himself because, again, he's witnessing. So when you witness a document, we have a lawyer here that can tell us that, you have to write your name, identify yourself, right? So people would know, who are you? Okay. So here's, you know, St. John say, I, John, saw and heard these things. This was not in a dream. Right? He didn't go to bed and woke up and saw these, you know, said, uh, you know, I saw these things. No, he saw them literally happening in front of him. How? We don't know. Whether it's a videotape, whether it's, you know, uh, God took him through time. Uh, how did God show him all these events? We don't know. And I heard, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel showing me these things. But why did he do that? Try, try, try say anything. Again, because of the awesomeness of the angel, you know, in front of him, and because the whole situation is so awesome to him. That he fell down. He did that before, and the agent told him, "Do not do that. I'm a servant like you are." Right? We talked about that before. So again, if Saint John is sort of, you know, when he's seeing all these things, he's so, you know, impressed and maybe afraid of all these things, and he's falling in into fear uh, and worshiping the angel. And in the angel, if you look at it, think about it. The angel looks glorious. That Saint John would worship him. At least try to worship him. You and I are going to be even in a more glorious, you know, what God promised us is a more glorious shape than this because we're going to be on his image. Whatever image, you know, Christ has right now, we're going to have that image. Then he said to me, Behold, see, do not do it, for I am your fellow servant. Again, fellow servant, and we talked about that. For those who are serving, guess who's your fellow servant is. So don't uh, don't feel weak. You're being supported by the angels and of your holy brothers, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Do worship to God. So when we worship God, and when the deacon, you know, cries loud and say, "Worship God in fear and trembling." We're not being old-fashioned people. We're not, you know, improvising. We're not doing anything that the Bible is not telling us to do. Because at that moment in the liturgy, 
the the priest is calling for the Holy Spirit to descend and trans, you know, transform the bread and the wine into the blood, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's why the angel, you know, the deacon is crying loud, saying, "Worship God!" You know, worship God and fear and trembling. So we are doing what the Bible is telling us to do. So why are we doing it? You know, if the angel told us, "Don't bow and worship Him," why are we, you know, worshiping the or uh, giving metanias to the bishops and the, the patriarchs? Are we heretics? There's a big difference between a worship and a metania of worship and metania out of respect. This is a sign of respect and a sign of, uh, you know, uh, honoring the person in front of you, not a sign of worship. We do not worship the bishops or the patriarch when we do a metania for them. We do not do that. We're not worshiping them. The same way when we pray in front of a I, you know, icona or you know, icon. We're not worshiping the icon. When Abuna raises the incense from the icon, he's not worshiping the icon. It's a sign, you know, of prayer and respect. It's not, pr- it's not worship. So what about when people touch pictures to get blessing and all that stuff? Again, this is not worship of the picture. This is again this icon in particular. If it's an icon, means it's consecrated with the Holy Spirit. The fathers see that as a as a window to heaven. They say the icons in Orthodox churches are alive. Like they're given in Mayroon as we're given in Baptist. Yes. And so are, that's why some actually speak to me. Some miracles. Some oh yeah, a lot of miracles about that. But actually, the, uh, I heard a, a very interesting uh, comment by uh, Bishop uh, Benjamin about the icons and uh, the saints and all that. When we when we pray to the saints, do they hear us? So are they in everywhere? Are they limitless? So they can hear everybody everywhere, and they're in heaven as well. And they hear earth and heaven. Are they limitless? No. So if they're not limited, is if limited limited? Even the spirits are limited. Do we pray? Do they hear us? See, this is the tricky question that he was, you know, bringing up. That this is a tricky question with the Protestants. If you say yes, they hear us. Are they limitless? You know, only God is limitless. Right? So if you say yes, then you get into this problem. If you say no, then why are you praying to them? I mean, his answer was, you know, very nice. His answer was, it's like the internet. Today you have the internet, so I can send an email, and the internet will route that message to the particular person. The Holy Spirit is acting like this big internet. We're praying, and the Holy Spirit is routing these prayers and these messages to the saints. That was a very nice, you know, clever uh, interpretation that make us, makes it more understandable for our day and age. But uh, is it the most important thing is, is the relationship with God. Of course. That's, that's the main thing, right? Yes. Like, just by touching a picture or something like that, it's not, it's not going to do anything if you don't have a relationship, a personal relationship with God. That's absolutely true, but at the same time, these the saints are there to help us. These are people like you and I, who've been on earth, who lived, and they have suffered, and they have attained the sainthood. 
Yes, but at the same time, again, this is as Mark said, this is a consecrated picture. It's not just any picture. This is a consecrated picture. And again, another example for that is this is like a, a phone, a cell phone that has a line to it. This consecrated picture, picture because again, it's consecrated by the Holy Spirit. The regular picture doesn't have a line attached to it, so it's, you know, it just, it's a phone, it's a picture of, a, it's a phone, it's a physical phone, but it's not, doesn't connect anywhere. The, the consecrated picture is a, you know, is a phone that has a line that connects you to the, to this big internet that, you know, gets you the spiritual, uh, to the Holy Spirit. We can talk about the icons, yeah, you know, some other time. Try it, try it. The only, there's certain things that, you know, if you try it, you're going to see the the benefit. Um, again, there's a lot of miracles about, the, you know, saints acting through uh, the icons. Um, so we talked about this worship thing and, you know, the matanya that we give to the bishops and so on. It's not a worship. It's a sign of respect uh, and honoring. And uh, because they are representing representatives of Christ here on earth and representatives of the disciples. But do worship to God. So I think after that, this ends what the angel was saying. And then from here, Christ himself is speaking. Because again, we're going to see here in like verse, you know, uh, verse 12, and my reward is with me to give to each one according to his work. That's Christ speaking. So, verses 10 and uh, 11 can be uh, of Christ or can be of the angel, uh, but most likely of Christ. And he said to me, do not seal the words of this prophecy for this book, of this book, for the time is at hand. So Christ deliberately told St. John to write these prophecies. Again, the church celebrates 40 days where Christ was on earth after the, you know, the resurrection and into ascension, 40 days where Christ was on earth teaching the disciples. Teaching them what? Teaching them what? It's not written. Right? The disciples did not sit down and write every single word you know, Christ did, like what St. John did here. St. Paul was in the, you know, in the desert for three years and, you know, he said, for example, about uh, when he was teaching about the communion, he said, this is how he received it, from the Lord. So he received directly from the Lord certain things. St. Paul did not write about all these things that he received from the Lord. Because these were prophecies for a particular purpose and this was not public. Here these prophecies are public. These prophecies God intended for you and I to know and to memorize and to keep. Right? He acting unjustly, let him act unjustly. And the filthy, let him be filthy still. And the righteous, let him be righteous still. And the holy, let him be holy still. So what does that mean?
keep them away or don't try to for, you know we can take it as don't try to force them yeah, don't try to force them tell them exactly tell them and they have the f- total freedom this also shows us that we have the total freedom of accepting God or rejecting God okay. if you want to be unjust you can stay unjust if you want to be holy you can be holy it depends on your will and your attitude and what you want to do uh, and this also can you know some of the fathers look at that and say well this also means that what you have what you do on earth is going to remain with you on heaven so if I was unjust on earth I'm going to be judged you know for that in heaven and if I you know I was righteous on earth I'm going to you know be judged in that in, in heaven and behold I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to each one according to his work and again the church uses that verse and says hey, Abuna says that in the liturgy right and give you know everyone according to his work. Did he say here according to his faith? So this whole issue about you know our friends the Protestants they say believe only and go ahead do whatever you want afterwards, but only believe. How are they going to answer this particular verse? And that's from the Bible, right? Give everyone according to his work. Yes, we have to believe, but if our faith is not an acting faith, it's not a faith of you know deeds, it's useless faith. Okay? So and our work testifies for our faith. Our struggle and our fasting and our you know our good deeds and serving others and again when we let Christ be manifested in our lives, that's not gonna happen without struggle, without with ourselves and without work, hard work. And that has to be manifested, you know, again, by our work. And, you know, God is going to reward us to this, these acts of faith. So they have, you know, these acts have to be tied to faith. Again, acts by itself without faith is not good. It's not, it's useless. But faith without acts is also not useful because it's not going to lead to anything. We have a fast that's going to start tomorrow. When I start fasting tomorrow, I'm struggling. I'm doing, I'm, I'm, Translating my faith into acts. When I stand up and pray, I'm translating my faith into acts. And that's what's needed. Not faith by itself. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Christ is the beginning and end of everything. Ask yourself, is Christ the beginning and end of everything that you do in your life? Is He the beginning from when you wake up in the morning until the end when you go to bed? Is He the beginning of your career and end of your career? Is He you know, the beginning and end of everything? Or... Or he can be the beginning, but you know the end can be th- something different. Or we can start our own way, and when we we lost, we get to him at the end. And you know, it should be the beginning and the end, and the first and the last. Blessed are they who do his commandments. Again, do his commandments. How come? You know, Saint John was what? Saint John was not a. He was not a believer. What? He's not talking about the faith here at all. That's Christ Himself who's talking, by the way. Again, because it's assumed that the faith is already there. This is the first step. And then all, we, you know, the commandment, doing the commandments and showing the, doing the work and, and all this, that's it's a must. So when our church refuses certain concepts and certain ideas that seems to be nice and popular, 
and based on one verse in the Bible, because our church is very biblical. It looks at the whole Bible end to end. It doesn't look at the Bible as one verse. It looks at the Bible as a package and understands what God wants, guided by the Holy Spirit, of course, comes up with the season. And this is the teaching that lasted for 2,000 years. So let's not go and change it by our own will, because we're not going to be as wise as what the fathers have done. Blessed are they who do his commandments, that their authority will be over the tree of life. If we look at the King James, Version, King James, uh, the old one. Blessed are they that they do his commandments, that they, they may have the right to the tree of life. Not authority, but the right to the tree of life. So this might be a more accurate translation in this case, in this case, than, other than their authority. Will be over the tree of life, and they may enter in by the gates into the city. Remember the gates? Remember how many gates there were? Twelve. And we said that there are three in every direction. And they represent the resurrection. And they would believe in the Trinity and the resurrection because we cannot go into heaven until we go through the first resurrection. And what is the first resurrection? Baptism and continuous repentance from sin. But outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, and the fornicators, and the murderers, and the idolaters, and everyone who loves and makes a lie. Dogs, isn't that harsh? Why is St. John being harsh here? Why, why is God being harsh here and saying dogs and all these, you know, things that are, uh, are not uh, you know, co- politically correct these days? Okay. Any any idea what dogs represents here? Why why was dogs not clean? Why? Doesn't control your lust. That's pretty good. But there's one important aspect of a dog that Saint Peter told us about. In which way? The dirty. In which way? There's one. Again, in the Old Testament, when God was trying to tell His people what is uh, clean and unclean, there was a purpose, is for them to meditate on. Right? And the, God's people did discover these purposes. For example, if we go to St. Peter, second letter of St. Peter, chapter 2, verse 22, But the word of the true proverb has happened to them. The dog turning to his own vomit. Right? So a dog returns to the vomit. And sin is like a, you know, like a, when somebody vomits a sin and gets rid of a sin, I go back to my sin again. It's like a dog going back to the vomit. So that's why there are no dogs that are going to go to heaven. Not like the famous movie, Dogs Go to Heaven. There's no dogs go to heaven. <laughs> There's no heaven for dogs. Uh, the idea behind that is, you know, the the description here is that uh, the unbelievers, the unclean people, that return to sin. So maybe those believers who, you know, uh, denied Christ or those who 
like the you know what in the in the previous list in the previous chapter what was the first item on the list the first group of people who will not go to heaven the jeopardy is on the other side so we can send you there to jeopardy and see what you're going to do there fearful and we said why the fearful are not you know not going to go to heaven the first group of people not going to go to heaven the fearful yes people who are afraid because they don't believe in God's power so unbelievers those people who went back to the vomit which means maybe they believed and then you know returned back and stopped believing in God because again they went back to their old sins and the old habits they don't believe in God they don't believe in his power they don't believe in his you know uh, abilities so I might as well enjoy my sin today and live that sin and have some, you know, good time today and who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, they've been telling us for 2,000 years, I'm coming quickly and he hasn't shown up yet. So I might as well enjoy today. Right? So maybe that's what dogs represent. You know, the unbelievers, the, those who denied God and went back to their uh, saucers. You know, Harry Potter's not going to go to heaven, unfortunately. And fornicators, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and makes a lie. I, Jesus, now here, he says, who is the source of all the prophecies? Again, from chapter 1, we talk, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Here, God is saying clearly who he is, just to make sure that everybody knows what the source of the prophecy is. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify these things to you over the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. What does that mean, the root and offspring of David? So what does that mean? What, what, what does root mean? He's the creator. He is the one who created, you know, Adam and all the creations. He's the root and he is the offspring of David. The bright and morning star. Again, they say the star appears in the very early morning and it's a sign that darkness is going to disappear. So Christ is when you know he, he's coming here on earth is a sign that all darkness and evil are going to disappear from the earth with his second coming and the spirit of the bride said say come and let the one hearing say come so our prayer is for God to come whether on individual level that's what St. Paul says, I desire to depart today, or on the church level is, you know, we are waiting for Christ. Let's say, for example, somebody's engaged, you know, to a person, and they happen, you know, on assignment work, traveled for three, you know, two or three months, or somebody got engaged to somebody in Egypt, for, you know, and when had to go back to the States or whatever, two or three months. What is the feeling? Of this person who's engaged, come quickly. Anywhere, whether in Egypt or in the U.S., <laughs> both of them want the other person to come quickly. Whether it's you know go there, go to Egypt, or come here to the states, they want the separation to end. And that's our feeling as well. We we we're we're tired of this physical body. We're tired of this world. We want Christ to come. We want to spend as much time with God as you know as possible. And eternity, we're going to spend every single moment with him so we can't wait for him to come again that's the feeling of the church 
That's why, you know, the church teaches to, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and pray. Uh, one time, one of the monks was telling me that the way the monks sleep is they sleep their feet toward the east and their head toward the west. Why? So when Christ come in the second coming, he's going to come from the east. They're ready to wake up and, you know, meet him. They don't want to waste their time, you know, by sleeping their heads toward the east. And So when Christ comes, they get up and turn around and, you know, whatever. No, they want to be able to directly come up. Again, this is to tra- to train them spiritually and mentally on being prepared and waiting for Christ to come at any moment, even when they're asleep. Waiting for Christ to come in. And let the one who is thirsty come, and he willing, let him take of the water of life freely. Again, this promise is not for to wait for the second coming. This is from now. And let the one who is thirsty come. Right? And he willing, let him take of the water of life freely. God is willing to give us the Holy Spirit freely. Yes, we did take the Holy Spirit when we were baptized and received the Holy Mayroon. So why are we going to get it again? More gifts. And again, our relationship with you know, the Holy Spirit, that He works in us, you know, we're willing, you know, God is willing to give us as much as we want. For I testify together to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add on him the plagues that have been written in this book. We've seen a lot of plagues here. This is a very, very, very harsh punishment. Um, Again, when some people claim that the Christians have falsified the Bible or changed the Bible, no one really can do that. And the physical proof and evidence that the Bible has not been falsified or changed is there. When somebody comes like Dan Brown and changes the facts and lies about history and about facts of you know of the church, he is bringing on him the plagues that have been written in this book. And that's that's a very severe, severe thing if there's no repentance. Extremely bad. Uh, for this book in particular, the Da Vinci Code, I, I don't think he doesn't know. I mean, what he's saying, what he's putting in that book is, are, are you know, against every intellectual you know and scientific uh, material that's out there whether mixing up of the sources of the you know the writings whether mixing up of facts whether mixing up of you know things a lot of it are pure fabrication and pure lies and whether he you know he knows it or not again god is going to make sure that everybody knows and have access to the truth Otherwise, he's not going to be just God. We have to believe in certain, you know, attributes of God. God is just. Okay, let's agree on that. God is just. So, as just God, he has to make himself known to everybody. Otherwise, how can he judge people that did not know him? 
So we have to trust his judgment. We have to trust that he is the just God and he will make himself known to everyone. If I choose to hide my face in the sand and cover my, you know, my eyes and my ears and don't get to hear what God wants to say and how he wants to talk to me, now it's my problem. If I do not want to deny the, the, the sun rises every day in the morning, that's my problem. He who testifies, uh, okay. I'm sorry, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of prophecy, God will take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which have been written in this book. So not just he's going to get all these plagues, but he's also going to lose eternal, you know, heaven. So someone like that, invented the Da Vinci Code, he's going to have a miserable life. And miserable end. If not miserable life. Both. He's going to have both. Unless he repents. That's a very good point. I'm sorry? Nothing, nothing is far from God. The one, one of the worst rulers that used to torture and you know persecute the Christians believed and became a Christian and became a martyr himself okay. uh, I'm sorry no 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 no, no. <laughs> talk about I'm talking about the Roman the Roman uh, Empire Wally and Senna is not Wally and Senna I forgot his name right now not uh, okay. Uh, his name is Cape Med. He was, if you read the Synexarium, all the tough cases they used to send it to him so he can, you know, torture them and severely. During the Roman yeah. Arab? Yeah. Okay. yeah. He used to torture them severely. I mean, he was really, 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 really bad, you know, governor as far as torturing the Christians. And then at the end, when his clown, the guy who used to be his clown, believed. King Gregory of Armenia, he, he converted the king or president of the land. No, that's no, that's not him. Story. That's not him. And then, you know, his, his clown believed. So he ordered him to be shot with arrows. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, every one of those rulers, you know, to entertain them, yeah, entertainer, uh, believed. So the, uh, ordered that he would be shot with arrows. So one of the arrows deflected from the, the entertainer and got into his eye. So, of course, severe pain and he was crying and so on. So the entertainer actually prayed for him and he was healed. And what happened to him, he believed and he declared that he's Christian. So they took him and tortured him and he finally became martyr. Okay. So is it impossible? No. But does that mean he's not going to pay a price for the damage he, d- he did? Imagine, let's say that this person believed today. Imagine his feelings because of all the damage and all the destruction that he caused for millions of people. How can he reverse that? Even if he goes out publicly and said, I've lied and cheated. How can people believe him and how can he have a reconciliation with himself and face God? Yes, God is merciful. God is, you know, uh, a ju- you know, will forgive him and everything. But even when David, the prophet, sinned and God sent, you know, Nathan, Nathan to, you know, to tell him, 
remind him of sin and wake him up and told him, okay, God lifted up your sin for me. What did, you know, David do? Did he go out party and say, okay, God forgive me? Or did he spend his time and said, you know, I wet my bed with my tears. Every night I would cry on the sin I have committed. And after that, Saul did not leave, you know, his house because again, even when God forgives, the, there's a natural consequence of our sin and we have to pay the penalty for it. We have to reverse the sin. I stole money from people right? and they but repented. This is, this is a different sin. He changed the words of the Bible. So, so how can he reverse that? That's why I, I don't think this guy's going to Let's pray that he repents first yeah. and then let God take care of him. I think he cares right now. So many books have been written against him. So he knows all the truth. They wrote 60, 70 books, you know, prove everything's that wrong. I'm sure he read all. So he knows. It's up to him to make a decision. Uh, yeah, the movie is uh, coming, coming out of Egypt uh, next couple of weeks. They accept yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Wait, I thought they were fighting. Yeah, I think they're going to accept it. Uh, I don't know. I think so. so. They're fighting. Well, don't worry. God is going to get involved. People are going to watch it. Once, you know, Even if people are going to watch, watch I actually heard the translation translated on the web. So. Yeah, they're selling it. They caught someone selling it. God is going to get Okay, he who testifies these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Yes, come. So here the Lord is saying, Yes, I'm coming quickly. Here, St. John is replying, Say, Yes, come, Lord Jesus. And this should be our constant prayer and meditation. Always, yes, come, Lord Jesus. That we are waiting for His coming. And the question is if, he, if the Lord Jesus comes now, are we ready? Because He said, I'm coming quickly. So to us, it can be coming quickly uh, tonight, now. You know, I can go out, drive in my car, get hit by a car, and die. I'm not saying you guys, I'm saying I am. And I end up meeting God today. Am I ready? And I ask myself the question, am I ready? How many people we heard about going into bed and not, you know, waking up? Whether you're young or old. Car accidents happen to a lot. Uh, Other reasons for, you know, things can happen. The issue is, God says, I'm coming quickly. And this is not, I mean, this is not a scare tactic or, you know, I'm trying, not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to read what God has said in, you know, in this verse. I am coming quickly. Whether it's to the whole world, so those people who are enjoying and saying, let's live and, you know, build cities and, you know, enjoy our life because God is not going to come again. Or for you, us individually, again, we're always ready that, you know, again, I'm coming quickly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. Amen. Any questions about Revelation? Everything's clear? You guys understand everything? I do not. <laughs> okay.